This sermon is titled, Mom, the Supernatural. We are starting in Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 24 as we begin this morning. So they're handing out the, the last few flowers here today. All right, y'all give all the moms one more big hand clap today. Would you stand with me this morning as we read the, the gospel of Matthew chapter number 7 and verse number 24. And this is how Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's ending the Sermon on the Mount, we know this is a three-chapter discourse on how Jesus began to say the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom that he's establishing on this earth would begin to operate, not according to our Western culture, not according to the Roman culture that they were living in, but Jesus set a new standard. And he ends his whole discourse with Matthew 7, verse 24, and it says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, everybody say, does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains fell, say, rains fell. And the floods came, say floods came. And the winds blew, say winds blew. And they beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And then everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now there was two houses that the Bible talked about right here. You had the house that was built on the rock by the wise man, and the house that was built on the sand by the foolish man. And notice what happened to both houses. Rain fell on both houses. Winds blew and beat against both houses floods came and hit both houses and both of the houses got beat on I want you to I want you to know this just because you come and attend church just because you are born again and in the body of Christ does not mean you will not experience trials and tribulations in this world okay but when you do if your house is built on the rock you will withstand the rain, you will withstand the wind, you will withstand the flood, you will withstand the beating of the world, and your house will be firmly established because it is on the rock of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. And so this morning, as we begin to talk about mom, the supernatural, I want to read about a supernatural movement that occurred in the scriptures. And just as moms can seem to be doing stuff that is supernatural, God always is in the process of doing something in the supernatural. One of the greatest supernatural movements that God ever did throughout the scriptures takes place in the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, it's where the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And it's in Acts chapter number 1, verses 4 through 8. And I want to begin this morning by reading those verses 4 through 8. And it says, And while staying with them there, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say, wait. For the promise of the uh, promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that is the father's who he has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power Everybody say power. That means supernatural power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth or the very ends of the earth. Can I tell you that as we begin to want a supernatural movement to take place in our families, there are certain qualities that we're going to read about through the coming of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts that moms seem to just really be good at and that if we'll all begin to take on some of these qualities, we will see a supernatural movement in our family. Our family literally will go from a Y-Limith to a true family where God can move and do things amazing and miraculous in our life. And so the first thing you got to do this morning is know that God wants to move in you. Amen. He wants to move in your life. He gave the promise of the Holy Spirit. The problem is we got to be in the right place at the right time for God to be able to move. 
Moms seem to have an uncanny ability to be in the right place at the right time. Have you ever just been about to do something wrong? <laughs> Jeff's good at this one. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> have you ever just been about to do something wrong? And mom's over there just at the kitchen. She, and I can just picture this clear as day, and I know Jeff can too. At the, the, the kitchen of this house we used to have, and she'd be washing dishes. Because our dishwasher didn't work. She would be washing dishes and putting them over there. And we'd be about to fight. And she's like, don't you do it. She wasn't even looking. I mean, she's like got eyes in the back of her head. And she's just doing it. Quit. I said, stop. It's like, we could be down the hall. And she would be in the living room picking up stuff. I said, quit. And she couldn't even see us. We were in a different room. But she was always seemed to be at the right place at the right time to stop us from doing something that we probably would have gotten a lot worse trouble for when dad walked in <laughs> if she wasn't in the right place at the right time. It's the same if you want to see a supernatural movement of God in your life. You must begin to be at the right place at the right time. The church world has grabbed onto this concept and we've been so wrong that the last words of Jesus Christ were go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Those were not the last words of Jesus Christ. The last words of Jesus Christ were wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you, then go into all the world. If we would learn to be at the right place at the right time, the last words of Jesus, besides what he spoke in Revelation, were in Acts chapter 1, when he said, don't just run off without the power. Stay here. Wait. And if we're going to see family turn around, if we're going to get a wide limit to turn into a true family, it's going to take a lot of believers stopping all their going and all they're doing and beginning to wait till the voice of God begins to talk to them and begins to instruct them. I know in my family's life, my wife is a lot better about waiting than I am. Hands down. She's a lot better about waiting than I am. I don't want to wait on stuff. I got a schedule, and it's on my schedule, and it's going to be done, and it, and it should line up with my schedule. <laughs> but there are times when it's better to wait. And if I want something, I don't want to wait for it, code man. I want it now. And it's, not, and it's not just give it to me, but it's give it to me and give it to me now. I, I like stuff. But, but somehow we got raked into this Dave Ramsey thing where he says now is not always the optimal time. And it's better to wait on things. Many times as families in the body of Christ, we start running into church because we have family problems. We have family issues. And, and I'm not going to hide anything under the carpet this morning. There are people in this room who have issues with their family, okay? If you are one of those people, do not be ashamed of it. Do not worry your little head about it, but begin to wait on Almighty God to speak to you. Because a lot of us, Damon, in this process of praying for our family to be fixed, we say, oh God, help me fix my family, and then we run off and do everything we think we should do to try and fix our family. Okay, the problem is we're doing what we think, not hearing from God on what he thinks. If we're going to see a supernatural movement of God take place in the family, it is going to be us stopping everything and getting in the right place at the right time to see a movement of God begin to come and fall. Now, here's what we're bad about. We're good at waiting for one day, some of us, not me, but some of us are. Some of us can handle it for two days. 
Some of us can even hold out for three days. But if God doesn't speak to us in three days, you throw your hands up and say, I guess this church thing just didn't work. I went to church last Sunday, God, and my wife ain't changed yet. I have never said that. I'm just covering my tracks. And wives say the same thing. Honey, I went to church, and, 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 or preacher, I went to church, and my husband, see, he still went out hunting. He don't want to come to church. Well, you'll probably get more if your husband's not here. I'm not saying husbands, you can't come. But if you're in the midst of trial, and you're begging your husband to come to church, and he's not coming, don't worry about what he's not doing. Make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Husbands, that's not an excuse for you to say next week, I don't got to go to church because Joel said you go to church and get right and then I will. That is not what I said. I did not say that. The thing I am saying though is we have a lot of, uh, uh, throughout the Western culture, there's a lot of ladies that come to church with their families, but the husbands don't think they need to be there. And that couldn't be more wrong, but if that is the case, the Bible says that women, your husband will be saved or sanctified by your obedience to the word of God. Now, if you stay obedient, God promises to be moving on something in him. So if you stay obedient and you stay true to waiting on God to talk to you and speak to you, God will begin to speak to him and he, his life will be changed because of you. Notice what I said, not because of what you said to him, because of you and the example you set to him. When you go home, don't say the preacher said. If he wanted to hear what the preacher said, he would have been here. Okay? Now, husbands, in this why limit, turning your family around, the Bible says, husbands, if you are not treating your wife correctly, God won't answer your prayers. So you could be praying for that new bass boat all day long. Because <laughs> we know how men pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, give me the new golf clubs, the bass boat, the four-wheeler, and I will bless you continually on that lake. And all that's within me will bless your holy name. <laughs> but the Bible says, God will not answer the prayers of a husband if you are not treating your wife right. The Bible says, husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loves the church. To give yourself up for her. Even when you got to go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, my voice cracked. <laughs> how you know it's true in our household my voice cracks even when you got to go to walmart you give yourself for one another you submit to one another and in submitting to one another it means you wait wait doesn't mean you sit around doing nothing it means you do everything you know you've been told to do previously until god tells you the next step of what to do they didn't go to the upper room and do nothing they did everything they remembered Jesus telling them to do. And when they did everything Jesus was telling them to do, God revealed the next step, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So if you want a movement to take place in your family, if you're a husband and your family's not coming, if you're a wife and your family's not coming, if you're a single mom or a single dad and you need a movement of God, the first thing you do is not to go, but it's to come and wait and do everything God has told you to do. It means be faithful to where you're called. Until the time begins to change and God changes things for your life. So the first thing that moms are great at that we can have in the church and we will experience a movement of God of in the family and in the church is being at the right place at the right time. Moms are also good about this. 
being in the proper position. Being in the proper position, because if you're in the right place at the right time, but still in the wrong position, you know, you're not going to experience all that God has for you. My mom is amazing at being a mom, but she is not a sympathetic person. <laughs> Amen. If you've ever dealt with my mama, she is not sympathetic. She will not coddle you. She will not cradle you. She will not baby you. So if you ever need counseling, go to mom. <laughs> and here's the thing about being in the proper position. The Bible says that they weren't only in the right place at the right time. Acts, 13, Acts 1, 13 through 14 says, And when they came and when they were come in, they went to the upper room. And all these continued in one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. So it talks about men and women getting in the right position. And it talks about the prayer, prayer of being in one accord. And is, my mom is not the most sympathetic person. She was always in the right place at the right time. And she was always in the right position. I'll never forget I love it that my mom is not very sympathetic because that means she doesn't get swayed by a lot of emotions. In my life growing up, I needed a mama that wasn't swayed by a lot of emotions because my nickname growing up, and we rebuke it from this day on, was you're an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> and baby, I was. I'll never forget the time the doctor came into the emergency room and said, hey, do you want to just go see this room over here while you're here right now? Because it's the only room in the emergency room you haven't been to yet. Okay? True quote from the doctor. I'll never forget when I was about four years old and I was climbing up some hay bales, which dad told me not to, okay? And I fell off and I landed on a piece of farm equipment and cut my head real deep. And I should have died from that. I'm glad my mom wasn't sympathetic. I'm glad she was in the right position. She didn't freak out. She didn't get overly emotional. She didn't spaz out and say, oh my gosh, my baby, my baby. She calmly grabbed me in her arms after dad brought me to the house, put a rag on my head, and held it there all the way to the hospital where then the doctor began to examine things and, and yes, that's why my head is a little messed up today. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> where the doctor began to examine things and I'll never forget the doctor as he stuck his fingers in my head, like in my head and picked up that artery to check and make sure it wasn't cut. He picked it up and said, it's a miracle because he's cut above it and below it, but it didn't touch the artery. And it was a miracle of God, but I still could have died just as easily, whether that artery had been cut or not, if there wasn't a calmness of being in the right position. And I'll never forget when a truck ran over me as a kid. Yes, I got ran over by a truck. I had the truck treads going all the way up my arm because that truck was about to run over my dump truck that I had gotten as a present. Okay? I'm, I'm telling you. And so I was running after that dump truck, and Dad saw it from a distance, and so did Mom. And I reached out and grabbed it. That truck rolled right up my arm and had the truck tire treads on there. Again, they were in the right position. They didn't freak out. They just began to call on the name of the Lord. And when I pulled a hot boiling thing of coffee down on me and just scolded this whole side of my body, and third degree burns and skin just really was peeling off. Again, they were in the right position. Not just the right place at the right time, but the right position to take care of me. And I want to challenge you on this. If you are here this morning, you are in the right place. You are here at the right time. But if you're here in the right place and you're here at the right time and your hearts are not in the right position, you're not going to get a lot about being here at the right place at the right time. Some of you came here today just to simply appease mamas. Okay? And I'm grateful that you came to appease moms. You, you are blessed. 
Amen. You'll get good lunch. And if you came here to appease her, that's okay because you're here at the right place. You're here at the right time. But from this part of the sermon on, I need to encourage you to get in the right position. To get in the right position. The Bible says when they all came into the upper room, the first thing it says, it says they were in one accord. One accord, the same mindset. They all had the same purpose. One accord means this, with one mind, with one accord, with one passion, with one thought process, with one vision, with one driving force. If we're going to see a mighty movement of the Spirit of God in our families, husbands and wives, it's time that we are not just in the right place at the right time, but we get in the right position. And the first thing about right position is getting in one accord. That does not mean husbands and wives seeing eye to eye. It means husbands and wives looking up to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, because until we get in one accord with him, we can never be in one accord with one another. It's time that we get in the right position. The Bible talks about one accord. I always say when I do wedding vows, you are not just making a covenant between the two of you. You're making a covenant with God about one another. Because your covenant first and foremost is with God about the person you're going to marry. And because you're loyal to this covenant and faithful to this covenant, you'll be loyal and faithful to this covenant here And I want to challenge you this morning to get in one accord. It goes on to say they weren't just in one accord, but they were in prayer. A prayer, and doesn't just mean, oh, they were just haphazardly tossing up things to God. Prayer means this, a place set apart or suited for the offering of prayers. So what this means is they didn't just pick out any old place. They found a specific place where 120 people could gather in an upper room where they could begin to pray. And they didn't pray for one day. They didn't pray for two days. They didn't pray for three days and quit. They prayed for 10 days. And on the 10th day, the promise of the Holy Spirit began to fall in their life. Some of you this morning are, are sitting here thinking, I wish I could just pray and God miraculously do something this morning. My family be fixed and made perfect. God can. He really can. Also, God can be saying, I need you to begin to pray because for me to do something miraculously and instantaneously, I need to start working behind the scenes a little bit here and a little bit there. And your miracle's gonna come. Your miracle's gonna show up. The flames, the cloven tongues of fire are gonna fall. But sometimes I need you to begin to pray. I need you to begin to get your life right because when miracles happen, you have a life-changing experience and you gotta be just as ready for it as they. Because there's a lot of times I see women praying for their husbands They pray like a house of fire, and I love it. But when their husbands catch that fire, I see a lot of women shrivel in the back and quit coming to church because they don't know how to handle a God-fearing husband because they've been in control all the time. And now that the husband stepped up to be the leader of his house, oh, you've got to let him lead, and you've got to follow. And that's a different world when you've been the leader. I'm telling you, Miracles can come and miracles will come and miracles will happen and God will put his spirit on your family But you got to be just as ready for the turnaround as as God's preparing them behind the scenes And so I want to challenge you this morning get in one accord with God the Father Almighty Get in one place the place of prayer and this is the last one. It talks about supplication It says a seeking and asking and entreating From God to man or man to God Now what does that mean? It says a seeking, an asking, or an entreaty. It doesn't say a begging, a pleading, or a groveling. You are men and women of faith, say I am. You are men and women who are called, say I am. You are men and women with a purpose, say I know. So here's what I need you to realize, that when you go before the throne room of God, it says you enter the throne room of grace with boldness. 
not begging. If you would enter the throne room of grace with the word of God in hand and begin to go to God with the scriptures that he has written and given us, you will get far more results than going to God and begging that your husband and your wife change. Because begging is done with lack of faith. You have to beg somebody to do something if you don't believe they're really willing or wanting to do it. I serve a God who's ready, willing, wanting to, and able to meet you at your very point of need right here this morning. But I will not pastor a church full of beggars. We are believers. We walk in the power of God. The Bible says this in Hebrews 10, 38, and my righteous people will live by faith. And if they shrink back, I will not be pleased with them. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are those who believe and are saved. That tells us how we need to live and stand, even in the midst of the times when we don't see the miracles happening, when our kids are not listening. It's okay. Can I get an amen? I mean, I guess y'all have perfect kids. I'm going to have to ask y'all some parenting advice. When our kids are not listening, and we made a joke about this last night when some of us were hanging out, and, he, and, and a gentleman saw me, and he said, mine are 16, and they still don't listen. I said, oh, so I still got 12 more years of this? <laughs> and I figured his response would have been, well, they're only 16, and they still got two more years in my house. I'll tell you how the next two years go, so it may be more than 12. But here's what I want you to know, that in this process of going before God, as you go before God, you're in the right place at the right time. But if you don't walk in in the right position of who you are in Christ, God's got a lot of teaching and training of how you need to be in Christ Jesus. And when you walk in a spirit and an attitude of faith and believing and knowing of who God is, God begins to see things differently and begins to move on your behalf in a real and mighty way. See, what we don't understand a lot of time in the church is God's already done everything he's going to do. He's already got it predestined. It's already planned out. He's already planning on moving on your behalf. See, he says, I know the plans I have for you. He's got a strategic plan already laid out for your life. The problem is with me. If I don't walk with that plan, okay? So God's already done everything he's gonna do. And so if we access the promises of God by grace through faith, that's how you get anything. You're saved by grace through faith. You receive healing by grace through faith. You realize it's already done all by him. But you got to believe in him and who he is and what he did on the cross of Calvary that paid for your price so you can have it. It's the same way with the family. You begin to believe in your family's restoration because God's already done his work on the cross of Calvary. God's already fulfilled what he's going to do with the great mighty plans that he has for you. It's us to us to know it, believe it, and begin to bring it into our lives by faith. Your family gets transformed by the same way you got transformed. And that's by declaring the promises of God in your life. Which brings me to my last point of this message this morning. Moms that are in the proper place at the right time and in the right position are able to fulfill the promises that they make. I've never, I can never remember a time in my life with my mom or my dad that they ever made a promise to me that they didn't fulfill. And if they couldn't fulfill it, they didn't make it. If God made a promise to you, and God is faithful to fulfill his promises, if he's made a promise in his word about your situation, the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So God not only wants you in the right place at the right time, getting in the right position so he can see something happen in your family, he wants to do it so he can fulfill his promises to you. 
See, what we don't understand is God wants to fulfill his promises to you. When I promise my boys I'm going to do something, I want to fulfill those promises. I want to bless them. I want to take care of them. I want to meet their needs. Acts 1, verses 4 through 5 says this. Here's the promise that he made. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promised Holy Spirit, which is from the Father. Acts 2, 1 and 2 says this. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. God desires to fulfill his promises to you. God wants to fulfill his promises in your life. God, when he begins to manifest promises in your life, he does it for this reason. So other people can see and experience the goodness of God and have hope. The problem we see with families all across the nation I know Damon could travel to every youth group in the world and see the same problems he sees here. The same problems are evident. There is a lack of hope that God can restore a marriage. There is a lack of hope that God will come through on his promises. There's a lack of hope that your kids can actually grow up and be something amazing, spectacular, and phenomenal for the kingdom of God. There is a lack of hope. But when we begin to believe and trust in God because we're in the right place at the right time, knowing God will fulfill his promises in my family, my family is then set aside to be a beacon of hope for somebody else who may need a light in a lost and dying and dark world. See, God wants to not just fulfill his promises to you to bless you and to take care of your family, but because your family may be the only thing that another family sees that gives them hope. You know why I love people? If you've been married and you're in this room, if you've been married for over 20 years, just stand up. Just stand up real quick. If you've been married for over 20 years, stand up. Give, give them all a hand clap. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, guys. I think it's so important to honor people like that. Honor people who've been married for more than 20 years. Because you know what? In my life, if, if I'm ever going to have a hope of Sherry and I in, in 50 years from now of still being happily married, it's because I'm going to focus on some gray-haired people who've been married for 50, 60 years. And I'm going to see what they did and find out how they made it. And Because you know their lives went through some stuff too. You know their lives went through some issues too. And you know that everything hadn't been perfect for them too. But if there's ever going to be a hope for this next generation, it's because we at this church begin to honor those who have been 20 years plus in their marriage and begin to say, this is what we want you to aspire to be like. People who are married for 5 or 10 years and then leave it all, but you're married for 20 30, 40 years, and watch the amazing blessings of God begin to take place in the family. God wants to revolutionize your family's life, but he needs you to get in the right place. You're here at the right time. You're still here. And here doesn't just mean the church. It means you're in the presence of God, okay? The right place at the right time. But God's saying, I need some families to start getting in the right position. I need some families to start getting in the right position, a position of one accord, a position of prayer, a position of praying for one another in supplication and entreating of God, going before God with the promises of his word so God can then be faithful to fulfill his promises in your life. And, and y'all, a, a commitment is this. A commitment is staying faithful to what you said long after the feeling you said it in has passed. So this morning, some of y'all are like, yes, my family's going to be revolutionized. Yes, it's going to be good. Three days go by. I want you to have that same fire, that same passion, same courage. Because here's the deal. It's going to begin to flicker. You need to hook up with one of these 20-year couples that are in here and say, show me how you did it, lady. Man, show me how you did it. Because we need it in this next generation. We need it to move forward. And the promises of God are going to rest on your life, even beginning here today.